something. All right, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look at Christian liberty today. I love this weekend. A lot of people are celebrating liberty, and we are so blessed. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, I find myself often thanking God for this country that I live in. Um, and because of my God, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things as a Christian, when you love God, I think we should be the best citizens there are upon the planet. Amen. Amen. And we enjoy a lot of freedoms here. And one of the neatest things as a believer, we understand why Jesus came. Jesus told us he came for freedom's sake. And we enjoy the greatest freedom that anybody can know. We get to share that with the world, which is a huge blessing. And this morning, it's kind of neat that we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 because it really speaks to us as Christians and speaks to our liberty. So we're going to dive in to this chapter and hopefully glean a lot this morning. So, you guys ever tested by people? Right? I think your love may be more tested as believers by other Christians who disagree with you than by unbelievers. How many of you guys would agree with me on that? Oh, good, I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> Think about it. What cuts a diamond? What do you need in order to cut a diamond? Another diamond. Think on that for a moment. So what do you guys do when a Christian brother or sister disagrees with you on how God's people ought to live? What do you do? I want you to listen carefully, okay? This might be the best part of the sermon this morning. It's a quote. That's why it's good. It's from a man named Martin, last name Luther. How many of you guys have heard of him? Awesome. Listen carefully. He said this. A Christian man is a most free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian man is a most dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Let that sink in for a little bit. That's who we are, brother and sister in Christ. We are free. And we are free to be who God's created us to be. And what is that? To love him, to love others. Think about it. What does that look like? So in chapter uh, 8 here, really the next three chapters that we're going to go through together... Paul deals with the subject of Christian liberty. So we're going to be camping on this for a little while. I want you guys to notice. Can you guys see up here on the screen? I got little notes from my Bible. Chapters 1 to 6, okay? Talks about our sinful condition. Sinful condition, the first six chapters. And then the last part, 7 to 16, that's where we are now. It deals uh, specifically with how we deal with others, okay? And living out our Christianity. So I want you guys to really consider, it deals with a lot of questions that we have as believers. Because I think a lot of people, well, now that I, I'm a believer in Jesus, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, <laughs> what is my life to look like? How ought I live now? And Paul really answers these questions, a bunch of them, in this epistle that he wrote to the Corinthian church. Okay, because the church was asking him now things concerning food. Okay, and we like food as Christians. So, uh, you guys notice the now? Look, look here, back at chapter 7. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And then he goes on in verse 10. Now, 
to the married, I, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. And he begins to answer these questions that the church had. And if you guys look with me, um, actually, let's go ask a question first, okay? Um, because this chapter is going to deal with a lot of things and specifically, you know, meat, food. What do we do with this meat that's been offered to minions or demons, okay? Um, what, what do we do with this? Is it okay to eat? Well, no, okay? We're, we're going we're gonna to see uh, liberty issues that are brought up. But today it might look a little different. How many of you guys have thought about, hey, does my Culver's Butter Burger, was this offered to an idol? Did have any of you guys ever thought that? No, I just enjoy them. Okay, <laughs> but we have issues today as Christians. Well, what movies can I watch? What's okay? What's not? You know, how about playing cards? What about a glass of wine with my dinner? I mean, there's different things we deal with. There's some taboos today. What about tattoos? What about piercings? There's questions people have, and in here in Corinth, guys. It was the false gods of barbecue and idle meat casserole were the issues of the day for these people. So I want to ask a few questions before we take a read here in chapter 8. The first one being, when are you free to enjoy your liberty? That's a pretty big question. And I think there's a lot that has to be considered in answering that question. And I think that's why Paul takes a whole chapter here to lay out once again what this looks like for you and I. Another question I think we need to ask is, when should you limit it for the sake of others? What gray areas has the Lord told you personally to abstain? How should you respond to those who enjoy more liberties, more freedoms than you do, if they're participating with those activities with discretion? How should you respond to those who are flaunting their liberties, and how do you respond to those who choose to enjoy fewer liberties than you do, especially when you are in their company? So those are just a few of the questions that come to my mind when we come around this idea and these questions and how we ought to live as Christians in light of freedom. Because it wasn't for freedom's sake that Jesus came. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He wants us to be the most free people on the planet. But we don't want to abuse that freedom. We want to use that freedom in a way that really glorifies him. If he's given us such a great gift and trusted us with this liberty, don't we want to use it in a way that will bring him honor and glory and bless his name? Absolutely. So let's take a look here at the first few verses. <clears throat> okay, um, Before we look at them, you guys know that love is so key to everything. Okay? Um, Jesus is always the answer. And Jesus is God, and God is love. He is our example. I mean, for us as Christians, man, <laughs> faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is what, guys? Love. love right? The royal law. Love. It fulfills every, all of the law in this one word that we love. And I want you guys to catch where Paul takes us here. Because love trumps knowledge. Let me say that again. Love trumps knowledge. You guys are well taught. We have so many resources to learn whatever we want. You know, 
I think I might be the smartest man upon the planet simply because I have Google. <laughs> right? You want to know something, you Google. I can learn to fix my car all by myself if I want. I even can learn how to prepare meals. Okay? My boys were in the middle of nowhere up in northern Minnesota, like literally the middle of nowhere. Google helped me get there. <laughs> but I want us to understand what the word teaches us. Love trumps knowledge. Catch what Paul says here. Let's look at verse 1 together. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Wow. So, it talks about things being offered to idols here, guys. In Corinth, meat was purchased. For most, uh, for most, it was from the marketplace. That's where they would go and get their meat. The problem for some of these believers was that they knew that most likely it had been offered in pagan temples in, three, in which three things would take place there. Okay? One being part of the meat would be burned to a deity. Also, part would be served at a banquet with the deity being the honored guest. And then also, part was that they knew it was being sold then in the marketplace to make some money. So Christians didn't know what to do with this. Was this compromise if we are to partake? to buy, to eat this meat from the market that was probably offered to these deities. So did it even matter? That's another question. How much does this matter? Should we care? We may not deal, you know, in the same ways. We might not go to Piggly Wiggly and think, hey, wonder if the butcher was back there, you know, offering that meat to an idol as he was preparing this to put on the shelves, right? Is this T-bone kosher or not? Like, we just, you know, we don't think that way, okay? We deal with Christian liberties today a little differently than what they were dealing, but we still deal with stuff. So when can we lean on our li liberties, and when can we leave off our liberties? That's really what Paul is laying out for you and I. And did you guys catch the key here? In this passage, what does he say? Knowledge puffs up. It billows, blows up, it inflates. But what does love do? It builds up. That's what love will do. You see, if knowledge puffs you up, it usually tears others down. Look how much I know. I'm right and you're wrong, right? That's what knowledge will do. But if your love swells up, it usually builds up others. Okay? Nothing wrong with knowledge. <laughs> but love is the key. It's what will build us up. Let's go on because Paul clarifies here for us in verses 4 through 6, just speaking to this freedom or this liberty that we have in a sanctified logic. Do you guys know that we can be logical as Christians? A lot of times we talk with people, I don't know if I can believe like you. That's such a blind faith, just to have faith and take everything at what God says and you're just going to believe it and do it. Do you guys know that God has made us reasonable? He's given you a brain. 
we can actually think, and he actually invites us to come and reason with him. And if we do reason with God, it is very logical, very logical. There's a lot going on today in our land, okay? Recently, we had the Roe versus Wade thing and stuff, and I'm seeing a bunch of people win for God, you know? It's a good stepping stone, but abortion's not abolished, guys. There's not a lot of logic being thought through with some Christians. You guys know that the scales have been removed from our eyes. We get to see the truth. And the truth is, guys, what we have an opportunity to do is to love. <laughs> What's happened recently gives us opportunity to actually do stuff. Love is going to do. Because we don't know. You know, constitutionally, logically, that should have never gone where it's gone the last 50 years. It's back at a state level. Guess what? We can have a louder voice. What happens if things don't get overturned in our state? Are we going to step up? Are we going to love? If things do get overturned, are we going to step up and love and serve and be there for single moms with family? I mean, that's practically what's going on. That's the logical thing of what's going on in this whole picture. Okay? So it's great. Rejoice. Great stepping stone. But what does that mean? It means we got to do something. Because we can know what's right. That's wrong. We know murder's wrong. <laughs> but what is love going to do? Who cares if we know what is right? Okay? Let's be logical about it. This is what's right. And because this is the right thing, now we got to do something. I love what AJ prayed this morning before uh, we dismissed the kids. That we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. And do you guys know the knowledge? I can know. <laughs> I can know this. I can know that. But love does something about it. Do you guys understand that? And that should be our heart prayer. Lord, help us to be doers. I just don't want to be in the know. <laughs> I want to do what is right, what honors you and glorifies your name. So let's consider that as we look at verse 4, 5, and 6 here. It says, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. So after the teaching, the danger of knowledge, now Paul uses knowledge rightly, okay, with some sanctified logic. So it's true, guys, we as Christians are monotheistic. There is but one true God. But let this knowledge of the one true God be a tool, not a weapon. You see, don't use your knowledge as a wrecking crane. So is it right for the Christian then to eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Well, he makes the point there's many idols. Did you catch that in verses 4 and 5? There's many. So all of which represent gods which don't exist is the point Paul's making. Great. They're being worshipped to that God, that idol, but they're not real. <laughs> Sanctified logic, right? 
So there is only one true God, he tells us, the creator of all things and the giver of life in verse 6. And in light of the above here, guys, there is no connection between food and spirituality, which we're going to see in verse 8 in a second here. There is no connection. This is what Paul is wanting us to get and to understand. So since idols weren't real and the sacrifice to an idol was meaningless, it really didn't matter what was said over them or done to them. It was just some religious hocus pocus. So therefore, we can always just jump in and partake, right? No. <laughs> Let's move on, okay? We're going to look at verse 7 now. And again, okay, liberty doesn't mean license, okay? Look at verse 7. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of idol or of the idol until now they eat as a thing offered to an idol in their conscience do i have this up here right now that's the wrong one sorry chad chad likes my powerpoints <laughs> there we go let's start over however there is not in everyone that knowledge for some with consciousness of an idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled but food does not commend us to god for neither if we eat are we the better nor if we do not eat are we the worse but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block for those who are weak for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wow! Do you guys think this passage of Scripture is pretty important? I think so. Because to be honest, I've missed this at times in my life. I see the church misstepping often when it comes to these things. You see, what Paul is laying out here is that our liberties are controlled by our conscience. Did you guys catch that? Okay, so conscience is a judge with, in that it commends us of doing what's right, and it condemns us for doing what is wrong. So as we grow in spiritual understanding, a weak conscience, it's going to become stronger. How many guys would testify to that as you've walked with the Lord? Okay, and we also appreciate our freedom in Christ more and more, don't we? You know, that's one of those things. I just sit in more and awe of God and his ways and the freedom that I get to enjoy as this kid. You know, I'm free to do whatever I want because of what Jesus did. That's pretty cool. But because of what Jesus did, because of the love of Christ, it compels me to do things not as a license for those liberties, but really to honor him with those liberties. So let's take a look here. Um, if we consider the weak believer, okay, uh, he must not run ahead of his conscience. That's what Paul is saying here. In a strong believer, guys, we must never force him to do so. Christian freedom is tied to Christian responsibility. So Paul warns the weaker believers um, they're upset when other believers eat such meat, okay? Um, dealing with the weaker here. So don't become a stumbling block is what Paul is telling them. 
to other Christians. We should not do that. Again, love builds up. So to do so is to sin against the weaker brother. That is actually a sin, we're told in verses 9, 10, and 11. And to do so is to sin against your Savior in verse 12. So do become a stepping stone. Again, the first three verses. That's what we are exhorted to do. Be a stepping stone. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And then verse 8 here, it is a clean heart and not clean food that will matter. And the weak brother confounds the two. So verse 10 brings up eating in the temple. Does that make you want to ask a few questions? All right, let's deal with that. What places are off limits for you, but may not be for other Christians? You guys ever thought that? What places are off limits for other believers, but may not be for you? Okay, because there are places that are off limits um, for you personally that are not for others is what Paul is saying. So if you've been saved out of a certain background, I think that plays a lot into how we approach things now as believers. Would you guys agree with that? I know it does for me, certainly. <clears throat> okay? Um, it greatly affects our Christian liberties. For some, I know people you know, who came to Christ, TV was just a huge part of their life, and they came to Jesus, and now they have no TV. Okay? Um, some Christians, they go say to you know, Las Vegas. Okay, hey, what a deal, right? Hey, I don't drink, I, I don't gamble, but I get to take advantage of those cheap hotels and cheap food and, you know, just a cheap vacationing spot. But other Christians say, hey, how can you support such establishments that are ruining families and marriages and lives? How could you do that? You guys see kind of where the tensions can come in? And for some guys, it's easier, you know, it's, it's maybe going to the theater, maybe going to a dance or socially drinking, okay? Some people playing cards, big no-no because I used to be in tarot cards or whatever. It's just your background. What have you come out of? And the list can go on and on. I like music, okay? Have you guys ever noticed that some songs that are, are remakes, Okay, she's like, oh, that's really cool, you know? I, I like that they did that to that song. That sounds good. But then there's other songs that you heard remade, and it's just like, whoa, that takes me back to a place. And in that place, it was not good. <laughs> I was living <laughs> it up in the world in sin, and it brings back those memories. You guys know what I'm talking about? So oftentimes, guys, that time period of which it came out of uh, will determine a lot of things. So if you were saved out of idol worship, and this is where the Corinthians were at, right? This was their concern here. Hey, the meat, our food, was it offered to idols? That's what we care about, okay? So this is what they were looking at here. Um, you'd have a problem too. So verse 11, your pride, guys, really can cause harm to others. Is this not a pride issue? It is. Okay? Legalists love pride. Legalists love to do this and tell everybody else that they have to do the same in order to be as spiritual as they are. Pride is ugly. Self-righteousness is ugly. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. So if Christ loved the brother, let's think about this logically. 
If Christ loved the brother enough to die for him, then the strong believer ought to love him enough to give up his rights to eat certain meat. That's pretty logical, isn't it? So, verse 12, guys, the conscience is not infallible, okay? Any of you guys have a seared conscience? I sure do. I live in a fallen world, okay? Um, Yet, it is a serious matter to violate it or to tempt others to violate it, okay? So we need to be careful. For a second, I want to talk to you men, okay? You are called to lead your family spiritually. If your wife feels uncomfortable wearing that in public, don't make her wear that. If your wife feels uncomfortable watching that movie, don't watch that movie. We need to be careful, guys. Now, I love how this chapter concludes because it is a lesson on love. Look at verse 13 with me. Chad, it's up on the screen. (laughs) Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, if I was called upon by the Lord to write letters to instruct the church that would find its way into the Bible one day, this might be the hardest scripture in all of the epistles that I would have to write personally. I love meat. I love, I'm going to grill after church today. I hope none of you guys are stumbled by that. Um, But the point, and I would write this because, again, it's all about Jesus, guys. It's all about him. And for Paul to say, hey, man, food, if that's going to make one of my brothers or sisters stumble, I'm done. I love Jesus more. I love my family more. I will never again eat meat. Wow. So this really sets forth the basic principle of love. Would you guys agree? This is a basic principle of what real love is. Seeking the good of others before your own. That's love. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. It says, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Wow. We'll be there in a few weeks, but I want us to grasp the reality of how practical love is. It doesn't seek its own but others' well-being. Love not light, guys, okay, or knowledge, okay? It's all about being enlightened. That's the key, right? That's not it, guys. Love, okay? I love 1 Corinthians, right? We can have all these things. We can do all that, but if we have not love, what is it? It's nothing. It's nothing. So listen carefully, guys. Liberties are controlled by conscience. Conscience is strengthened by knowledge, and the knowledge is balanced by love. You guys see how that works? So your spiritual knowledge can be either a weapon to hurt people or a tool to build them up. So the decision to follow the path of love rests with Paul, not with the weak. You guys get that. It rests on you. Am I going to choose to love right now? But I'm right. Are you going to choose to love right now? That's wrong. Are you going to choose to love right now? 
I love what Jesus tells us. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You guys know how practical this chapter of Scripture is for you and I? How many of us want to see revival? I sure do. What if the church would love each other the way we're called to? What if we would love God and love others? I think there'd be a whole lot of people out there that walk in unbelief who say, I want in. (laughs) I want what they got. I want to love like that. It's not if we become serious students of the word. You guys are very well taught here. And that's a good thing. But without love, it means nothing, guys. It means nothing. It should provoke us to love all the more. To much, to whom much is given, much is required, right? And man, we're learning some good truth here this morning. Again, are we going to be hearers only? Are we going to be doers of the word? It's not if we go to every conference, retreat, seminar that's offered. That's not it, guys. It's not if we pour all our money that we have into missions. That's not it. This last week with the the boys, we had a very long road trip up to northern Minnesota twice to get them. And we went through the life story of Hudson Taylor. A lot of you guys are familiar with him. If you're not, you guys need to read some of these missionaries' biographies. But this was a brother who, at the end of his life, he went into China. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to go share the gospel in China. You guys know how big China is? His heart, we're going to hit all of China, (laughs) every province. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus. There are so many that have never even heard his name. And some of you guys know his life story, a lot of ups and downs, death. But, man, God called him, and he was faithful to the end. And it was neat because towards the end, the ministry was finally growing People were being called from all over the world to go and to minister the gospel to the Chinese people. And it's one of those things people are offering lots of money to the ministry. Hey, what you're doing, we want to support you. We want to see this happen too. And I loved his take on it because it's easy to throw money at stuff, isn't it? It's a whole other thing to be part of it. Hey, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to go and I'm going to do the loving And I love that he said, no, (laughs) not going to do it that way. Our missionaries, they're not going to have support. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to go before. And my ask, it's going to be big. My ask is actually do something. And love's a verb, guys. We do something. And if we truly believe that God does love us, that he truly is the Savior of the world, how are we not going to love in a like matter to go share with our neighbor across the street who doesn't know Jesus? to jump on a plane and go halfway around the world to share with people who are damned to hell. But the love of Christ is there and available for them. How can we not go, guys? Love does stuff. And that's what I love about this chapter, guys, because Paul's really coming back to, hey, love. And how is God asking you to love today? Because it's going to be different for every single one of us. Because our callings are different. But what is God asking you to do? How are you to love? How can you build up others? How can you serve others? So Paul says, if what I eat is going to make another Christian sin, 
I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to make another Christian stumble. That kind of sums up the chapter here. This is a neat heart of the Apostle Paul. So let's remember our attitude uh, with which we really restrain our liberty. Don't view weaker believers as um, nuisances. Okay, they are they are God's kids. Okay, um, and don't ever look at hey they're just in the way of my liberty. Okay, that's not how we should ever look at anybody. Now that brings us to four questions that I want to consider with you guys this morning. First question. Can I do this? It's a good question to ask ourselves because we have a lot of choices to make in life, right? Can I do this? Okay. Um, and the next question that kind of comes along with that, still part of question one, is what does the Bible say? Because we can, you know, come up with a lot of our own ideas and wisdom. I don't know. You guys ever find yourself when you're reading your Bible, you know, doing your daily devotion, you're like, whoa, <laughs> I am wrong and you are right, God. You guys ever find yourself doing that? How did my thinking get so backwards? Like, I've even been in the Lord for a little while now. I even teach your word. <laughs> How do I get so backwards? Right? That's why it's good. What does God say? Because it doesn't matter what you think or what others think. What does God say? That's what matters. We know that murder, rape, lying, they're always wrong. We just know that. And we know because the Bible says so. All right? Okay, Bible makes those things pretty clear. Um, and they are wrong with all peoples at all times and all places. Okay, those are type of sins that are known as universal sins. Does that make sense? Everybody just knows those things are just wrong. You just don't do them. Um, also, that you can't break the law. Okay, so doing drugs, drinking under 21. We know those are wrong things to do. Universal sin. Second question I want us to look at is, should I do this? So what does my conscience have to say about this? And this is not to be one person's conscience. This is not to be a pastor's conscience. Okay, This is yours. What does your conscience say? Just because you can do or eat something doesn't mean you should. So our conscience asks, kind of like, acts like that rudder. You guys ever been out on a boat? You got that little bitty rudder. <laughs> it's kind of what a conscience does. It's going to steer you in which direction you should go. So a person might not read the Bible, um, but they know that rape is wrong. Why? Conscience. Okay? So we shouldn't make rules not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't need our help. I so appreciated Kevin last week bringing the word of God, and I love that he highlighted that point and spoke to it, paused, like, hey, let's consider this, guys. Hey, the Israelite, unleavened bread, you're, you're, you're to do this for a set time. But should we always do that? Is that what God said? And it's in our nature to want to add stuff to God's word. Be careful, guys. Be careful. And by the way, Kevin, you did a phenomenal job last week. Thank you for your diligence. Didn't you do a good job, guys? Yeah. I think I'm going to go on vacation. Um, again, just because we can doesn't mean we should. That's the point here. So this is known as particular sin. We have universal sin. This is particular sin. In Romans chapter 14, Paul gave us Christians guidelines in those gray areas to achieve unity amidst 
uh, diversity. Okay, so we went through that recently here at Freedom. I would encourage you guys to spend one of our most listened to sermons from the church, Romans chapter 14. A lot of clarity. I know it was one that was very challenging to a lot of believers because, again, these are life questions for us as believers. We care. We want to know what the Bible says because it's so easy for us to get off track. And then our thinking gets off track. No, we want to be biblical. So, in those gray areas, maybe receiving those who are different than you. What does that look like? How about don't looking, you know, looking down on others that have differing views? Remembering that God, or that those who disagree with us, you know, are accepted by God. Let God judge. There's a novel thought, right? How about love requires self-limitations? Become convinced what is right for you personally. All members of the body of Christ are uh, interrelated. We're interconnected. We're interwoven. We are a body. Okay? We both are the Lord's. Okay? We are on the same team. All members are going to face God's bema seat of judgment individually. Okay? You guys know that? You are going to stand before God. You're not going to stand in place of somebody else. You can't do it for them. There is no right and wrong side except for you personally. And when you be graded on your attitudes that you've displayed and how you treated those who disagreed with you. So guys, there are gray areas in life. The Bible is very black and white about stuff, but the things that aren't clear, those gray areas, okay, we need to be very careful how we conduct ourselves. And if you don't know what that looks like, go back. Check out Romans chapter 14. Very clear in that passage of scripture. Let's go to our next question. What does my weakness require? So how must I restrict my freedom? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves this morning because I don't want us leaving without considering this. There are areas that we must identify uh, in our lives, be intentionally uh, allowing to, you know, restrict freedom that we have in Christ because there's areas where I am strong and you may be weak. And there's areas that you may be strong and I am weak. And we need to recognize, know thyself, okay? You need to know this. So it might be a simple thing as violence on TV. I know some people can watch a movie where there's violence and it doesn't phase them. And then there's other people, whoa, <laughs> I can't do this. You know, it's just the worst thing ever. You, you need to know. Um, which now brings us to the fourth question is, what does my friend need? Because this is what it all boils down to, right, guys? What did they, it's not really about me. <laughs> love God, love others. What do they need? So if I eat with a vegan, <laughs> why not try to find something off the vegan menu, right? Something as simple as that. So when you have people over for dinner, that isn't the time to show off your liberties, Okay, remember the basic principle of love. So important. Now, I want to conclude this morning by sharing with you a Christian, Christian solidarity or parody. I'm hoping this will kind of drive home 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for us here this morning. Once upon a time, there were three churches in a small town. They decided to get together and have a baptism to show solidarity. 
Well, these uh, chose their, their town's only park for a safe venue. And so everything was going well. Things were coming together. It was wonderful until they arrived at the park. Invited to, ga- to this gathering was the First Church of Starched Shirts, the Association of Even Keel Conservatives, and the Free Will Liber- Liberal Apalians. They figured they'd start with a potluck, since everyone knows that all good Christian events start with food. The first church of the Starch Shirts brought out their homemade lemonade. The Association of the Even Keel Conservatives, they placed on tables the most contemporary monster drinks in Starbucks. And then the three of the free will liberal Apalians opened their coolers and displayed every type of beer known to man. This caused no small stir. Immediately, the pastors got together, and they powwowed, and they decided, hey, we better start our baptisms before things get out of hand or in their hand. So the first church of the starch shirts came from the dressing rooms with their white robes fitted tightly around the collar and descended down to the ankles, and some of them didn't even show ankles. The Association of the Even Keel Conservatives, they sported their cool swimwear, billabong, under armor, Ezekiel. Um, you guys got Ezekiel swim shorts? All right. It's a Christian brand. <laughs> Though, do you know that? You're from California. Yeah, there we go. Though modest, of course, guys, okay, they did everything according to their bylaws. And then you had the three will liberal paleans. They bounced forth freely in their colorful speedos and their teeny weeny bikinis. The start shirts blew a stitch. <laughs> Wanting to get the whole thing over with, the pastors said, Hey, let's get to baptizing. I like to drip when I baptize, said the first. Well, I prefer the biblical way. We dunk, said the second. If it was good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for us. Well, I don't favor the drip or the dunk, but I fancy the douse. The douse? Both exclaimed. Yes, I came up with it myself, he said gleefully. We have them stand there knee-deep in the water, and we picture them full of mud. Well, then we throw a bucket of water on them and douse their sins away. Get it? Well, <laughs> let's get to it. I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, said the even keel conservative minister. I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, said the starch shirt reverend. I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the whole you go, said the free will liberalian pastor. And so the three churches baptized their converts that day, in three different areas of the small town's one park pond. And the town's three secular newspapers, different journalists, all reported in solidarity the Christian church's parody. I think that hits home the point here, guys. It's easy to judge others because we know what's right. 
What does love look like? What if we loved each other as God called us to do, despite our differences? Truly, love each other. Because by this, all will know that you're my disciples. I don't know about you guys, but I want to shine for Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in my life. I know a lot. I know the scriptures. I've read a whole lot of books on the word of God and other religions. I'm pretty up to date on what's going on in our culture, in our world. It's good to know those things. But how is love going to meet all of that? How's my love for Jesus going to allow me to work with what I know? I pray that the love of Christ compels us all, guys. Because if that's not the motivating factor in our life, we're amiss. We've gotten off track somehow. And that's the beautiful invitation that the Lord gives to us. Return to your first love. Because this life is long. It's hard to see things going on. Sometimes because we do love, we are concerned about much. But those concerns can derail us pretty quick. But that's how God loves us. He loves us enough to correct us. He loves us enough to speak the truth. And I love the heart in which he does it. Because it's a lot like we saw with the Apostle Paul. Hey, this is going to stumble someone, a brother or sister. It's not even worth it for me then. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I know you guys are like-minded in that. And I know that's something that we got to constantly be reminded of. And it's not something that we're just making up because it's all about love. It's about his love, guys. It's about loving him rightly and loving others rightly. Okay? Because love isn't just broad-stroked all of this. Love is very clear. Love does something. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're told that the issues of our life, they can run deep. Lord, our hearts are so involved um, with life. That's the way you've created us. You've given us emotions. Lord, we do care about much. We have concerns about much. God, but we want to be concerned about the things you are and care about the things you care about. Lord, I know that's going to look a little different for each and every one of us. God, but we know that the uh, practical teaching here this morning where your word is declared to us Lord is, is very clear God in whatever context and we want to follow your example we want to love the way you've asked us to love God and we want to champion our brothers and sisters God I want to be a cheerleader for them God I know that you have so much uh, just in store and ahead of each and every one of these guys Lord we don't want to miss the mark. We don't want to waste our lives. Pray that you'd be speaking to us, giving us grace, Lord, to walk just uprightly 
close to you in ways that really honor you and glorify you, in ways that would lend to us loving each other well in such a way, Father, that this world cannot deny that you are alive. So would you please, Father, stir up our church family here, God, and even outside of these walls. Your body is so big. (laughs) You're doing so much all over, God. It truly is one, one family, Lord, one church. I just pray that you give us wisdom, God, and how to uh, serve with, partner with, God, be a part of your body. We humbly ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. Will you guys go in grace and peace of our Lord. If anybody wants to go for a swim, there's a couple pools outside. God bless you.